Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, everyone. Happy Wednesday. You know, I hope your day is treating you well. I hope the week is going well so far. Thanks for joining me for another podcast episode for another Wednesday Q&A. If you're new here, you can always call or text your Enneagram, creativity, self-care, personal growth questions into 828-338-9127, and I answer one every single Wednesday. The tank is a little low right now, so if you have a question, you should send it in because I'll get to it soon. All of that being said, here is the question for today. Hi, Sarah Jane. I am a two married to a four, and I'm hoping that you can give me some specific tips to help with our relationship. We've been together for a very long time, but has rarely been happy or easy. I love to find a place of balance where we can respect our different needs and not feel like we're doing a push-pull. Thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you. Thank you so much for sending your question in. And I am so fascinated by the 2-4 dynamic. It's actually like a pretty rare pairing in my experience, just not coming across a lot. I see a lot of 2s and 5s, but not a lot of 2s and 4s. So that's very fun. Here's the thing that can happen in that two, four dynamic. Now two and four are two of the most emotionally expressive types on the system, right? Like you guys are deeply in tune with your emotions, deeply in tune with the emotions of others. And this can be so beautiful in a partnership, right? You have so much warmth and love and romance, so much awareness of emotionality, so much consciousness of emotionality. And that's incredible. And that can win leaning into that strength, it can be a really cool thing. But another thing can happen here, and that is a parent-child dynamic. Our fours are the ones who want to be rescued. They're looking for a hero, someone to come in and swoop in and save the day. And our twos are often like, I can take care of it, right? I can handle anything. I am the one you need. And so you can find yourself in that dynamic where the two feels responsible for the four. The four finds themselves taking a more passive role in the relationship because they have someone who will take care of things. And that can lead to some resentment, right? Can lead to resentment on the two's end of like, I feel like I have to take care of everything or even seeing the four's emotionality as like they're too emotional, starting to feel like too much. Twos can kind of take on this stance of like, why are your emotions more important than my emotions? Why are your emotions more important than the emotions of everyone else? And kind of can start to find it grating if you feel like your four is not considerate of how they're impacting others. Because again, you're carrying this pressure to constantly be aware of the needs of others. And fours, they're self-referencing, right? So they're having their emotional experience. And it can feel like they're not as conscious of the way that they're impacting the people around them. Now, all of that being said... 
The four can also gain resentment here. They can feel like you're trying to fix their emotions, that you're trying to constantly solve their problems. No one wants to be in a parent-child dynamic, the parent or the child. Neither of those feel good. Fours have a difficult time with authority, and so if you find yourself as the two in the authority figure role, they can start to feel rebellious toward you, even though like you're a partnership. Because that dynamic is at play, it can create some tension there for that. Again, our force can start to see the twos as being too emotional. And this is so interesting because it's almost like you're competing on whose emotions are going to be validated. If my emotions are validated, then your emotions are not. Or, you know, if your emotions are validated, then my emotions are not. Almost like it's a competition on who gets to have feelings. And instead, right, obviously the work is in holding space for both of you to have your emotional experience and each of you being responsible for how far that goes. We'll get more into specifics for each of you in a second, but I think the clearest, most direct answer here is space. And I mean this in not a like, oh, you have to spend time apart. That's like a bad thing. It is actually an incredibly positive thing, right? This dynamic you can find yourself in when you're so fluid, so emotional, both of you are kind of emoting together is enmeshment where you can't tell where you end and they begin. So the highs are really high and the lows are really low because you're intensifying each other's experience and you're expecting each other to behave the way that you want them to behave, right? Like play the, play the dynamic out or things are feel fragile. And so the work is really in learning where do I end and they begin creating distance between your person and their person so that there is a clear differentiator so that when one of you is having an emotional experience, that can be heard, validated, and moved through from a place of consciousness instead of like, oh, oops, we're all muddled together. I can't tell who had emotions first or when emotions came. I'm responding to their emotions and they're responding to my emotions and it's feeding each other and it's becoming a big gobbly mess. To do this, right, we need to start seeing space as a positive thing. Time apart, time where you don't necessarily feel so intertwined is a positive thing because you can respond from a place of consciousness when you're in your own body. And then I, I want you to focus on doing your individual work. So two, focusing on yourself, fours, focusing on themselves and the work they need to do, which we'll get into what that looks like in a second. So doing your individual work and then being influenced by the other, because obviously what you need is what each other has, right? Like twos need the ability to prioritize their own wants and needs. Fours need the ability to think about how they're impacting the rest of the room and to feel capable and competent. So when we get into that, we're going to want to look at what does this look like for the two. So for you as a two, you're going to need to set boundaries. First, energetic boundaries, meaning you can let your person have an experience without it becoming your problem, without it becoming your experience. So holding up energetic space between you and your partner, which can feel like you're creating distance, but you're actually creating space for healthy closeness. So starting to create energetic space between you and your partner where you can envision their emotions hitting almost like an energetic wall 
against you so that you get to be the one to help them co-regulate, right? Like when you're in a partnership and especially if you're in a partnership with, with two very emotionally expressive people, one of you being able to stay in your own energy, staying grounded, not getting swept up is going to help the other one to move through those emotions in a healthier way or in a, in a I don't want to say quicker way, but just in, in a way that's more productive instead of both of you kind of getting swept up in it. So for twos, I mean, fours need to do this as well, but we're, we're going to focus on twos right now. <laughs> Set your energetic boundaries. Envision a wall where their emotions cannot penetrate so that you can stay in your own body and empathize without getting carried into their feelings. Number two, stop rescuing. If you are in that dynamic where you're in that parent-child dynamic or the rescue-rescuey dynamic, stop rescuing. It is not your job to fix your partner. It's not your job to solve their problems. It's not your job to rescue them from their distress. They can have negative emotions and they'll be okay. Those emotions, they will move through them. They'll be all right. You don't have to save them from it. You don't have to save them from the consequences of their actions or the consequences of their behavior. You can just let them be and love them where they are instead of giving them advice that they might not take and then getting mad when they don't take it. Step out of the rescue role and allow them to exist and be loved as they are. Number three, don't see their emotions as something to help them solve. Fours need to feel. They need to be able to honestly feel their feelings. They are responsible in their own way of, we'll talk to the fours in a second about how they manage those feelings and how far they take those feelings and what stories they believe about those feelings. Your job is to trust them to do their work or to know, trust yourself enough to leave if they refuse to do their work, right? Your job is not to try to coerce them into doing their work. So let them have their emotions, keep your space, set your boundaries, both physically and energetically, and don't try to solve their problems for them. Number four is set physical boundaries. Take space. Do things for yourself. Prioritize yourself. Lead with your own pleasure. Fours are pleasure-oriented types, and they they can be so focused on what feels good to them, what feels right to them, what is exciting to them, they can get really swept away in that. And if you're someone who's will, who's like consistently sacrificing your own pleasure for the sake of others, that is a recipe for a resentment cycle, right? So instead of saying you need to focus on your pleasure less, start focusing on your own pleasure more. Allow yourself access to what feels good to you. Allow yourself a selfish, right? Like give yourself time to do what you need to do for you. And that's going to ease up on a lot of that <laughs> tension because you're so you can be so focused on like, well, does that feel good to me? Does it not feel good to me? What do I want? What do I need? That's going to help you a lot to make decisions that do not lead to ultimately resenting your partner because they also have a focus on pleasure. Now fours, let's get into to you here. Number one, build resilience and self-reliance. It can be really easy when you're in a partnership with someone who feels like they can give you advice and maybe they're giving you great advice or they're really good at figuring things out or solving your problems. It's tempting to fall into a pattern where you go to them 
every time you have an issue. But instead, it's going to be way more supportive to yourself to build that resilience within you, to start to trust yourself, to handle the things that are coming your way, and leaning less on your partner and starting to see yourself as your own rescuer. So when you feel like, oh, I need, I need a rescuer, I need someone to help me, go, okay, that is me. How do I take the next step? Number two, don't fall into a pattern of letting the two caretake you. Similar note, but a little bit different. You're building your resilience. You're building your own self-reliance. You're building your self-trust that you can handle the things you need to handle. And then the two needs to be in another role besides caretaker. They are not your parent, right? You don't want to be their child. That is not hot. So how do you create a dynamic where you are partners, where you feel like equals, where it can be focused on your shared experience as equals versus I have I have a reliance kind of on you. Make sure that you are in your own energy and that you are owning your own objectives. This way you can keep your relationship resentment free. You are taking care of you. They're taking care of them. When you need each other, you're there for each other, but it can't, it can't be this like imbalance where they feel like you can't take care of them and they feel like you feel like they have to take care of you. It needs to be measured. Number three, feel all the feelings you need to feel, but be cautious of despair. This is something that I got from my husband who is a four. He has been in this mode of like, I'm just, I'm not going to let myself despair. And it is so cool to watch because I'm watching this kind of new level of growth for him. And it's like very attractive, you know, to like see your partner take this kind of step. But watching him step this, I'm like, oh, this is so important that for energy to Know your limit of, I can feel my deep sadness, but once I allow despair to enter the picture, that's going to prevent me from doing what I need to do in the world. It doesn't mean that you have to completely reject the part of you that would like to despair, that you don't ever despair, but just kind of having that as a conscious space holder, like an affirmation of, I can feel, but I don't have to despair. All right, number four, respect the way the twos know what to share and when not to share and kind of learn from their other's focus. So our twos are are typically very good at reading the room, knowing when to be vulnerable, being vulnerable enough to create safety, but not so vulnerable that it's kind of crossing boundaries in terms of what's like quote unquote appropriate for the situation. And when you're thinking about like letting your partner influence you, I think this is a way that fours can let their partner influence them well is to respect the fact that they are others focused. Sometimes our fours can read the two energy as fake or yeah, as manipulative, which obviously the unhealthy levels it can be, but at the you know moderate levels, most twos are just trying their best to get by. And generally, one of their skills is people. So if you can consciously pay attention to that, 
start to respect that in them and learn from them about what does it look like to show up fully emotional, fully emotionally resonant and present and deep and connective and know what to share and when to share it. Listening to others, asking more questions and you're giving answers, paying attention to the needs of others, kind of putting yourself in that position to be external in your attention instead of kind of the natural state of the four, right, at your like lower health levels is to focus on like what you experienced, what you think, how you feel, and not always being aware of how that kind of sharing is impacting those around you. Or even that kind of emotional expression sometimes is appropriate and sometimes is not appropriate. And twos are typically pretty good at, at reading that room. All right, friends. For those, you know, if you're in this situation, if you're in this relationship, I also think it's helpful to just kind of, we hear what cannot be working, what might need to be like worked out a little bit, but also don't forget the strong parts. Don't forget to value those strong parts, especially if you're finding yourself in a a resentment cycle. It can be hard to remember the good that is there. So hold that space. Remember that this is a likely a relationship of love and warmth and romance and deep emotional connection. And you have capacity for that together, whether or not you're currently experiencing that. Doing some of this work, starting to see space as a positive, creating energetic boundaries between your emotions and theirs, that is going to open you up to really experiencing this deep emotional depth and connection that is available to you both. So I hope this was supportive. Thank you so much for sending your question in. And as a reminder, if you all have questions, don't forget to text or call them in to 828-338-9127. And that number is always linked in the show notes for you as well. As always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you. I'll see you tomorrow for the next one. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.